0: Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Close your eyes for just a minute. I invite you to picture a kitchen. Maybe it's your kitchen at home or your dream kitchen that your best friend has. What does it look like? What does it smell like? And as you're picturing that kitchen, now I invite you to picture another kind of kitchen, a a soup kitchen. What does it look like and smell like? It's a different image, isn't it? You can open your eyes. That's how Maggie Maggie Kane's TED Talk started as she shared the story of an organization called A Place at the Table in Raleigh, North Carolina. I had the chance to know Maggie as a college student She was a student at NC State, but we went on all these mission trips and retreats together, and as I got to know Maggie, I knew that she had a huge heart for mission for others. She had grown up volunteering in soup kitchens with her mom and her twin sister as a way to learn the importance of service. She knew how important soup kitchens were to feeding the hungry, and she knew how good it felt To help those who were hungry be fed. But she couldn't get over this nagging feeling that the differences between the kitchen you visualized at the beginning and a soup kitchen maybe just didn't have to be. She knew that the soup kitchen serving line formed this kind of invisible wall between those who were doing the serving and those who were being served, one that kept one another apart. It was as if the buffet that was supposed to bring them together created a buffer that prevented any kind of real relationship. So in college, Maggie started working at a nonprofit for those who were experiencing homelessness and poverty, and she was determined to get to know others as whole and worthy and humans just like she was, and she met some of the most kind-hearted, wonderful people. Full of stories of heartbreak and resilience. She broke through those walls of distance and division that she knew in the soup kitchen line by asking the questions we have been asking one another all month. Who are you? Where are you from? Where does it hurt? What do you need? Those simple but transformational questions brought her to a place of deeper relationship, and she built deep enough friendships with some of the folks at the day shelter where she volunteered that they came to her college graduation. But when her graduation day arrived, she asked the question that we ask at the end of this series, where do we go from here? Building relationships is fundamental to living out the gospel. Of, of all the gifts that Jesus offered us in his ministry, he taught us how to see people, know their names, care about their stories. He stopped on the road to listen. And so to be a disciple of Christ means that we're called to this work of relationship building, of listening with our souls to one another's stories. But as Maggie discovered... When you take that work seriously, when you know the answers to the questions about where it hurts and what people need, you can't go back. Her heart had been changed, and she found herself asking this question, where do I go from here? A similar kind of transformation was happening in Peter and Cornelius' life in this morning's story in Acts. Peter had been called to share the good news of Christ with the Jewish people to help them know God's love and grace. But Peter started having dreams, wild dreams, the kind of dreams that when you wake up in the morning, you know they meant something, And you heard it this morning, in Peter's dream, pigs and other ceremonially unclean animals were brought to Peter out of the sky like something from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and he was commanded by God to cook and eat. But Peter was a real rule follower, and he knew these things were unclean by Jewish law, and he rejected them until he heard God's voice, not once but twice, say, "'What I have made clean you must not call profane.'" So it's one thing to have a dream once, it's one thing to have a dream twice. But this dream happened to Peter three times, and he just couldn't shake it. Something was internally shifting for Peter, but he didn't know where to go from there. Except that when he woke up, servants of this man named Cornelius knocked on his door and called him to Cornelius' house because Cornelius had had an equally strange encounter with an angel. What we know from Scripture is that Cornelius was a friend of the Jews. He prayed faithfully, gave generously, but he was not, by lineage or circumcision, Jewish. He was a Gentile, a man of significant means, a commander who led a whole cohort of several hundred men of the Roman army, but a Gentile nonetheless. And by all rights, he was not a man that Peter understood as someone Jesus came to save. And yet when Peter showed up at Cornelius' house, when he dared to follow these strangers and go to Cornelius' house, the one who should have commanded power over him, Cornelius, knelt down like a beggar at, Cornelius, or at Peter's feet. And through these visions and dreams from God, these two men, who could not have been more different, found themselves together in the same place. And the story says that Peter invited Cornelius to stand, and I have to wonder if in that very moment when they saw each other eye to eye, when they could see each other as men with so many differences, and yet called by the same God, if that was the moment when something was stirring within them and they were changed. Cornelius clearly had a deep curiosity and a surprising trust as he told Peter that Peter's arrival at his house was an answer to prayer. And Peter clearly believed that God had called him to this particular place because he said that surely God shows no partiality. Their engagement with one another led them to Cornelius' conversion, not just Cornelius' conversion, but baptisms of the whole household and an experience of drawing the circle wider. Here these two were, two men who otherwise should have nothing to do with each other experiencing the grace of God in friendship. Friendship. Scripture says that Cornelius and his whole household were saved, and Peter's ministry was blown wide open to include everyone, even Gentiles. And it was as strange and powerful an encounter in real life as the visions that they had had that brought them to that moment. But you have to wonder if they found themselves asking, where do we go from here? We don't know if Peter and Cornelius knew how their lives were about to change. For Maggie, her ability to see eye to eye with those that she had served at the soup kitchen continued to stir something in her. And she began to have a dream of a restaurant where everyone could eat with dignity and choice no matter what. She had a vision for a place where people of all walks of life could see one another eye to eye at a shared table. She had a vision of a restaurant that was a reflection of Christ's table where all are genuinely welcome. And she began to lay the work for a pay-as-you-can nonprofit restaurant. But Maggie experienced the same thing that Peter experienced in this morning's lesson, resistance. When you have a wild dream, when you imagine something beyond the sort of normal boundaries of what is, people are sure to push back, right? The immediate response is, we can't, we shouldn't, what if? Who's going to be offended? You know resistance. Perhaps you heard it in today's scripture. I don't know if you noticed, but today's scripture reading wasn't actually just the story of Peter and Cornelius. For that, you have to turn to all 54 verses of Acts 10. Today's scripture reading was Peter's defense to the Jewish people, because as soon as those in Jerusalem heard Peter not just hung out with and ate with but baptized a whole bunch of Romans, they were lined up ready to criticize. Don't you know they're not like us? Why'd you do it, Peter? Jesus can't be the Messiah if he's here for them too, can he? And Peter simply replied, who am I to hinder God? In the same way, Maggie was told more than once, do you know how many restaurants fail? This this business model isn't going to work. People aren't going to want to eat there. I mean, who's going to pay for it if it's really pay-as-you-can? Don't you know you're bound to get taken advantage of? And despite all the resistance, Maggie couldn't get the conversation that she had with her friend John out of her head. John was someone who had experienced homelessness, and they went out to lunch on occasion, and on this particular occasion, it was his birthday, and she let him pick and he had chosen a restaurant with a buffet, and she asked him why. And he said, living in poverty means that people make choices for you. Here, here I get to choose. If I'm feeling healthy and want a salad, I can choose a salad, and if it's a waffle kind of day, then I get to choose a waffle because sometimes don't we all just want a waffle? For all the resistance she faced, she couldn't shake that conversation. And she felt called by God to create not just another soup kitchen, but a restaurant where everyone experienced that same kind of dignity and choice. And Besides, who were her critics to hinder God? But the road was long. And sometimes, despite having a vision, it takes a long time for that vision to become a reality. And she found herself asking again and again, Where do I really go from here? For Maggie, it took 48 long months to get her idea off the ground, a whole bunch of crowdsourced funding and a lot of prayer. But a place at the table opened in Raleigh in 2018. and I've had the chance to eat there, and I can tell you it is a beautiful restaurant that smells of fresh bacon and hot scones, If you were visiting downtown Raleigh, you would think you had found a great local spot. And it wouldn't be until you got to the counter that you knew something was different. Because after you order off their gourmet, rather bougie menu, I gotta say, the cashier will say, so your suggested price is $8. Would you like to pay that price? Less? Pay more to pay it forward or volunteer for your meal? And when you'd sit down to eat, you would find that there's no way to tell who paid for their meal, who paid extra, or who paid less. There's no way to tell who's volunteering for their meal, who's staff, or who's a volunteer just because they believe in the mission. What you will find is a big community table set at the center with a sign that says, This is a place for intentional conversation. It's a place to ask the questions we've been meaning to ask except to ask them of neighbors that you might not encounter otherwise. For lots of folks, with and without means, a place at the table is their regular lunch spot in Raleigh. And some of them have found that this kind of encounter gives them the opportunity to be seen, to be loved with the love of Christ, to be changed in a way that invites them to think about how they'll use their life and their resources. What Peter and Cornelius knew was that God gave them a vision they couldn't shake. And when they met one another, what they knew was that the love of Christ was for them, for both of them, without limits or barriers. What Maggie knew was that God had given her a vision she couldn't shake, And she built relationships with folks with deep pockets and those with nothing at all, and she knew that the love of Christ was for them, all of them, without limits or barriers. This kind of welcome, this opportunity to love God by loving your neighbor is the bedrock of the gospel. And to live it out, we have spent this month asking one another within these walls those very questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you need? Where does it hurt? And it's a really good and holy thing to ask one another. But now we ask, where do we go from here? Am I suggesting that the church should open up a restaurant? No. I know some of you are relieved. But this morning's question and this morning's scripture invites us, I think, to tend to those visions, the dreams, those God-tingling moments that we just can't shake. And this morning's question also asks that we put ourselves in places where we can see and encounter one another eye to eye so that we can be open to being changed and called to something new because you never know who needs to hear the good news of Christ. So where do we go from here? I believe that after five weeks of asking these questions of one another, it's time to take these questions outside our walls. So maybe you've got a Tuesday morning free, and you could deliver groceries with ICM, and you have the chance to bond with an elderly woman at Maggie Russell Towers over the beautiful Swiss chard that's in her grocery bag that week. Or maybe you've taken a season off of tutoring at Dobbs and it's time to get back at it. Or maybe you love to cook and you could bond with the new Afghan refugee family over supplies that they need in their kitchen. Maybe you want to try something completely different and attend the equitable dinner at the Center for Civil and Human Rights to engage in conversations around race and identity. Maybe you want to drive with Meals on Wheels and share the gift of friendship and food with a neighbor. Or maybe it's not even a formal mission ministry of this church at all, but a conversation with a colleague you've been meaning to get to know, or a new neighbor that just moved in that you haven't met yet. I don't know where each of you is going to be called to serve in this season, but I do know that it matters that we pay attention to those nagging dreams for a better world, and it matters that we find ways to encounter those we don't yet know. For in those encounters, we might just find that the Spirit is stirring us on a path forward, a path toward the table where Christ has set a place for me and for each and every one of you, for Peter and Cornelius, for Maggie and John, for neighbor and stranger alike. It's my prayer that the more that we engage not just with each other but with those outside our walls, the more our communion table here will reflect the kingdom of God. May it be so. Amen.